Hi, dolls. I'm thrilled to have you along for my next project, the So My Mom's a Therapist podcast. I'm actually going to be listening to your questions. So send me your questions in a voice memo to my email address, so my mom's a therapist podcast at gmail.com. Each week, I'm going to be answering those questions along with my TikTok buddy and producer, Andrew. And while you're at it, a great way for you to support this podcast is to rate, review, and subscribe. That helps us grow and reach more people, and it only takes a few seconds. Thank you for listening, and we're so grateful that you're here. Well, welcome back, dolls. Um, Again, this is just me today. Andrew is still on vacation, and he'll hopefully be back next week. And we have a a guest coming on. Svi is going to be joining me, and she's one of my TikTok friends. And she's going to be sharing a little bit about her dating life and joining the Sprouting series as well. So if you are just jumping on, this is our second part, the second part to our Sprout series, How to Sprout New Relationships. Thank you to all of those of you that sent in questions. I'm going to tackle a few of those questions first from the first episode. And then after that, we'll go back to our series. In the last part, we we talked about shifting our perception and how we're approaching dating. And we talked a lot about dating apps. And today we're going to answer the questions. And then we're going to look at what about dating when you're not interested in getting on the apps. And then also some of our concerns with dating apps and, and addressing those as well. And if we need to do a third part, we will keep going. Um, I From the feedback I've gotten, I just love the comments you guys are sending back my way that this is helpful. I hope it's helpful. Um, as I said on the last one, I'm going to say it again on this one. If you could send your questions specifically about the sprouting series, questions related on or questions that relate to the topics we talked about on the first part and on the second part, we'll just keep going as long as you guys have questions about this because I think that's where a lot of this, where our focus needs to be on. We got to shift how we're approaching dating and just that beginning stages. Sometimes we get way too in our head and that's not helping us in the long run. So we got to go back and set a really healthy foundation. And that's what the sprout series is. Just like a plant, you can't rush growing a plant. There aren't no there are no shortcuts. And we need to have that same approach when we're approaching dating as well. All right, so let's get into these questions and you guys will get to hear them along with me. Hi Lisa. Hi Andrew. I hope you guys are doing well. Very excited to have the podcast as well as the TikTok and the YouTube. Uh, it's been really helpful for me, especially in my dating life, because I'm in avoiding attachment style. And so it's been really good getting all the advice from you guys. I recently started seeing this guy, and uh, I also just recently found out that he's also, um, re- he's also an avoiding attachment style. And he's also got a bit of some trauma that he's uh, currently dealing with. And so I just wanted to find out if I can get some advice on how to go about that. As well as, um, I also just recently found out that I'm on the spectrum of demisexuality, but I'm still very much interested in a romantic relationship, and I think I'll still also be interested in a sexual relationship if I were to find the right guy. I just wanted to find out if you guys have some tips, or if you can help me out in any kind of way. Thank you so much for the podcast. Love you guys. Bye. Oh, so sweet. And she's from South Africa. Unfortunately, uh, Andrew is not with me today, but I will pass your love along, doll. You know, when we talked about the Sprouting series, that isn't something I have addressed yet. And if that's an interest, I'm happy to tackle that too, as in when you are 
just planting those new plants, those new, those new seeds and seeing what takes because the plants are so fragile. And just like that dating, the, the banter back and forth, cultivating that relationship, because it is so fragile, just like a plant, that doll, you are right. Those attachment styles are going to play in. You have the anxious attachment, you have the avoidant attachment, and those are the two we tend to, to focus on. So let's look at your situation real quick. If you're just trying to cultivate a new relationship and you have two two people that are starting to date both with, with an avoidant attachment style. Let me just break that down. For those of you that are not familiar what that is, we have attachment styles. What that means is when our nervous system gets tripped, we will tend to either lean in or we will lean out. Anxious attachment is, I want to lean in. I want to hold on to you. I need something in my hands that makes me feel like, oh, okay, we're good, right? And what are we good about here? What, what is it that we're, our body is needing? It's needing safety. That means you're not going away. So when an anxious attachment gets tripped, it worries that it's going to lose what it has. So when it comes to that little plant, it's like, wait, wait, is the plant gone? Did it just get ripped out? And so people's nervous systems, we all have a nervous system that responds. Anxious attachment, avoidant attachment, that's not bad. We need to make sure we're not characterizing this as bad. It's understanding why our bodies do what they do. Everybody has a feel. Everybody's going to either run a little bit more anxious or a little bit more avoided. Does that mean you can't have a very much a regulated nervous system that doesn't want to like lean in or lean out? Absolutely. But that's where we do work with a therapist. That's where we do work on managing and regulating our own body. And that's something that takes place over time. So when you have an avoidant and an avoidant, what often can happen, especially in the beginning of a relationship, is if that wire gets tripped of safety, one of the safety and survival measures that our body takes is to bow out or to avoid and shut down. Now, keep in mind, if one party avoids and shuts down and the other person's avoidant attachment, and if you can see my hands on the video, I just shut one down, I've got one still open, then even though one person didn't have anything go on in their body, the minute the other party shuts down, their body's going to react and shut down too. So that's where you have like avoid, 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 avoid. That's where I either shut down, shut down. And then what can often happen is that can be really destructive where nothing's talked about for days. You see, sometimes we prize ourselves like, well, I'm just not somebody that fights. I, I don't have big fights. And we actually, we kind of will pride ourselves on somebody that doesn't have, I don't think we should argue and have big fights. And I want to be like, well, hold on here a second. And I see this in my office a lot. I want to be like, whoa, 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 hold on here a second. Just because you're not fighting doesn't mean all of a sudden you're more controlled because you could just chop it off and never actually deal with the emotion itself. And people that are more avoidant will have a tendency to go that route. Because dolls, I hate to tell you, when you decide not to talk to somebody for a few days, there is nothing healthy about that. In some ways, that's more destructive than an argument that kind of goes up and up and, you know, volcanoes tend to explode a little bit. You know, I'm, I'm not for, I'm really big on no personal attacks when we are arguing. Really, you don't make personal attacks. If you make personal attacks when you're, when you're arguing, that's like throwing darts. And those darts, those arrows don't come out of somebody's body even after the argument's gone. And so I'm really big on that. But arguments are actually healthier to have conflicts healthier to have than to shut down and not address things at all. And yet sometimes we pride, we pride ourselves even on doing that. So what is some advice I can give in that situation? I would say being aware, communicating about it. I would even encourage you all to start with a communication that says, look, I'm, I'm aware that I'm more avoidant. You're aware that you're avoidant. And we may need to bring in some communication that says when you realize your body gets tripped and you recognize your body shuts down, I would encourage you to start to lean in right there and see if you can bring in a little communication that would say something to your partner like, you know, this is one of those situations I want to shut down and I want to run away. 
And then how about we do that? Can I get a hug instead? Look for a way to self-regulate and co-regulate in that moment, right? It's not easy. If you look for something that's going to be comfortable or easy, you'd already be doing it. Think about it. The advice I'm going to give you is going to feel either like, oh my gosh, I can't do that, or that feels like it's foreign, that feels forced, that feels uncomfortable. If you say any of those words, that means you're in the right place. Why? Because if it was comfortable, you'd already be doing it, right? And so we want to lean into the uncomfortable. Increasing our ability to tolerate being uncomfortable is the definition of growing. I'm going to say that again. Increasing our ability to tolerate being uncomfortable is the pure definition of growing. So I want to have you see if you could lean in a little bit and say, you know what, this is normally where I would shut down and I'm trying not to do that. Or it may say, this is normally where I shut down, but I'm going to take a break and I will loop back around. And then you got to make sure you, you come back around. So I'd say, see if you can bring some communication around it in the moment. If you're starting a new relationship and a new sprout, I would encourage you, especially if you have a large trauma history, is to say, you know, I'm very aware in my body. I tend to shut down or disappear and I'm aware of it and I'm working on it and I'm not asking you to fix it for me, but I want you to be aware of what I know about my body and I'm where I'm growing and that's okay. Now you may think, oh my gosh, I would never say that to somebody I just started dating. And I, and I would say, well, what's the alternative? The alternative, it's all going on in your body and you're trying to act like on the outside, like, oh, I'm all good. I got this. I don't have any problems. And inside your body's like, we're dying in here. We're dying in here. Mayday, mayday, shut down, leave, right? Let's just be honest. Sometimes that's what it looks like. We have like a, we have a smile on our face out front and inside our body is like going, ah, get me out of here, right? And so your body inside is having a fight or flight response or wanting to grab hold of something that's an anxious response. And on the outside, we're trying to act like we're so cool and we're so calm and we got this, right? And so I would encourage you to bring that outside, not all of it, not vomit it out, but say, hey, you know, as I'm getting to know somebody, not on the first date, no, we're not going for this on the first date, but as I get to know somebody saying, you know, I know based on my history, this is something that I'm aware of in myself and I'm working on and I'm not asking for you to fix it, but there may be times I'm going to ask to communicate around this and say, this is one of those situations where I just want to like leave and I, or I want to walk out of the room or shut down and I don't want to do that. Can you give me a hug and things like that? Okay. So hopefully that's helpful. All right, let's get on to the next question. And then we're going to get into part two of our Sprout series. Hi, I am Demarie. I'm from California as well. Um, I just wanted to first say how grateful I am that the podcast is around I work by myself 90% of the time, so having a good audiobook, podcast, or music is a must. Um, so on to my question, in the spirit of sprouting, I wanted to ask, what is a good way to transition from a platonic friendship into a relationship? I've known this guy for just under two years, but it feels like it's been so much longer than that. We are always there for each other. We're on the same page about everything, whether it's children, religion, politics, the importance of health, and so many other things. And although there have been a few innocent yet intimate feeling moments, our relationship has still remained platonic, and I was wondering, what would be your advice on spreading the relationship into a romantic one without it feeling um, rest or forced? I've been driving myself mad over this for the past couple months, so I'd love to get your guys' advice. Thank you. I hope you guys are all having a wonderful week. Oh, great question. That's a really great question. Would, and, and I love, thank you for your sweet comments. Honestly, those mean so much to me. I want you to know as many as I hear, like I really value, I value it. And that to me is the payment that I get 
And I'm glad if it, if it helps, if it makes you feel a little bit more normal or gives you a new tool or makes you feel encouraged, um, then this mama is extremely happy. All right, so let's look at this. This is an interesting situation. You know, I have a theory. This is not psychology. This is just my theory. But that in a really deep, intimate relationship with, with a sex that you're attracted to, whether it's same sex or opposite sex, my theory is, and although my friends love to debate me on it, is that, you know, given the green light, one party would for sure go for it. You know, so if it's a guy and a girl, given the green light, I am convinced one party would already go, always go for it. So let's say you do have that foundation of friendship and you want to be able to maybe dive in or wade into a more romantic relationship. And here's, here's what my suggestion would be. I would say we, we got to make sure we communicate about it, right? Communicate about your fears. Oftentimes, the fear in transitioning from a friendship into a romantic relationship is that you're going to lose the friendship. And by the way, dolls, that is the risk. The risk is it may not be the same. And are we willing to risk it? Risk it because there's no guarantees. When you decide to date somebody and be in a romantic relationship, both parties sign on the dotted line. They sign that it may work out. And they sign that it may not work out. Dolls, you cannot go into dating thinking that you're never going to be hurt or hurt somebody. That is the risk. You, you sign on the dotted line. We assume we may get hurt and we sign up for the risk that we may hurt somebody else. And that is not intentionally, but that is the risk that comes with dating. There is no guarantees. So recognize, well, we kind of have a larger risk here and that we have this really great friendship. And if we are going to kind of transition and wade into a romantic relationship, we want to be able to communicate that or communicate about our fears of our friendship not being the same or being that being a risk, that one of the things that we're risking in doing so. The other thing I'm going to say, and I think this may come as a surprise, I would you said, I, I don't want it to be forced. And I would say, okay, you, maybe you don't want it to be forced, but can we leave space for it to be chunky, awkward, for it to feel not natural because you guys have lived in the pond of friendship for so long, you're now entering another pond and it's kind of like learning a new language. Think about when you learn a new language. I've yet to hear, I mean, I always think I'm going to learn a new language. That's like my big thing. I'm like, it's now Italian. I'm going to learn Italian. And then it was French. And now I'm back to Italian again, where I'm going I'm to learn it. And I've got to tell you, it sounds awful. My accent's awful. I have no idea what I'm saying. And yet I keep showing up and I keep trying. As you wade into the pond of romance, I would say, allow yourself for it to be kind of awkward, not come out naturally, feel a little forced. Why? Because you're exercising new muscles. Those are different muscles than friendship muscles. Yes, friendship's part of that pond, right? But it's not the whole pond. So it's, for instance, if you're somebody... Like I used to, I used to love to run um, until I had to stop, unfortunately, because of my hips. I mean, oh gosh, if that doesn't make, I mean, if I, I'll rally right there. I feel like I just aged 20 years in that one sentence. <laughs> Welcome to midlife. Um, but I always loved to run. I, I ran half marathons. It was so enjoyable. And when I had to stop running, I switched over to jumping on the Peloton thinking that's not going to be a problem. I'm in shape. Holy shit different muscles. Now, some of them were the same. Some of them were the similar muscles as running. However, there was new muscles I hadn't developed yet that were extremely painful and very underdeveloped. Same thing. You're bringing in your friendship muscle, muscles into the romance pond, but there's other muscles in there you guys haven't developed yet, right? So allow it to not run smoothly. Allow, allow it to feel a little foreign or a little awkward. And I would actually have a conversation about this to say, we need to leave space for us to figure this out. Why? Because there's muscles that you haven't developed. What kind of muscles? Vulnerability, 
When you have romantic for feel, feelings for someone and it becomes imp, intimate and sexual, you now are cracking open a whole new part of, a whole new muscle you haven't developed yet as far as intimacy, being raw, and being vulnerable. So allow yourself space to figure that out. Okay. Hopefully that was helpful. Great questions, you guys. Keep them coming. As always, if you have any specific sprout questions on last episode or this episode, please send them to so my mom's a therapist podcast at gmail.com and we'll keep answering those. I'll have to see if my my buddy Sfi, who's going to join me, if she also wants to keep talking about sprouting, which I kind of have a feeling she's going to want to. Um, and so we're going to be uh, hopefully continuing to talk about it. All right, so let's get in to the second part of sprouting. So we addressed shifting our perspective, taking some of the weight off, going back to enjoying human company, right? Whether you're somebody who wants to just get into, you know, get into hook up with somebody or someone who's looking for like, I want my partner. We got to change how we're looking at dating, leaving space for people on dating apps to be there for all different purposes. Dating apps are not just for what you want out of it. You have to, we have to leave space to say there's going to be people that have lots of different goals of what they want from dating apps. Okay. The second part is I don't want to use dating apps. How do I date then? And here's my advice when it comes to that. And again, this isn't therapy. Some people, everyone on TikTok is like free therapy. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. I, this is therapeutic advice, but unfortunately it's not therapy, but as close as you can get if you're not with a therapist. All right. So if I'm not using dating apps, here's where I want you to start. We, we have to build a bridge, right? If we think that I'm going to meet somebody in real life, yet I don't talk to people in real life, we cannot all of a sudden not talk to strangers, not talk to anybody when we're running our errands, Target and Starbucks and the gym and wherever you go. If you don't talk to anybody and then you think all of a sudden you're going to see that person that you're attracted to, that hot girl or that hot guy, or even see somebody who looks like they have a great personality from afar and all of a sudden develop these muscles to be able to talk to a stranger, that's not going to happen, right? And it actually, the exact opposite. Our bodies tend to have almost a, a repelling, like a magnet repelling away from somebody we think is attractive. Think about it. I hear this story all the time. Somebody's walking into the grocery store. Oh my gosh, the hottest guy is walking out of the grocery store and our bodies will literally walk away from them, not not towards them. Our bodies don't go, ooh, somebody I'm attracted to. Let me walk towards them. No, no, our bodies actually do this little like panic and they literally will move away from them or it'll decide to walk past them as if you cannot see them. Now, by the way, dolls, let's just have a, a come to Jesus moment. We are fooling nobody. Everybody around us knows that we are looking like we don't see anybody, and yet you know fully well we can all tell that you can see them, right? So the more you look like, I don't even see you, I don't even know you exist, by the way, it looks like that. It looks like you're you're avoiding looking at people. And that's not a bad thing, but just recognizing that's our nervous system kicking in to protect us because it picked up on something. And in this case, it picked up and picked up on somebody it finds attractive, okay? So how do we combat that? I'm gonna encourage you, two things, two pieces here. One, start by engaging people that I would call low-hanging fruit. Not low-hanging fruit because of their value. All people have value. I freaking cannot stand when people people on TikTok are like high-value people. Well, high-value people, I only date high-value people. What the fuck is that? The fact that you are human gives you high value. The fact that you exist gives you high value. Since when are we grading people on valuable or not valuable, right? And by the way, if we're talking about people that you would consider dating or not dating, that is your responsibility and that's your responsibility to put up a fence and sift them out, not for them to show up and be the people you want them to be. 
Okay. Clearly it's a Friday because we're in preaching mode. <laughs> Andrew better come back. He needs to rein me in. Andrew, where are you? You've got to get back and rein me in. I get too passionate here, right? So I'm going to say when I go into real life, when I'm talking about low-hanging fruit, I'm talking about people that for you don't have that, oh shoot, this is somebody I actually would be interested in asking out or going up and talking to because I'm attracted to them. So for instance, look for maybe a little a little bit of a little old man or a little woman who's, who's doing your checkout at Target, okay? Maybe somebody who wouldn't be someone you would be attracted to and that's okay, but you're practicing engaging with other humans and strangers in your real life. Why? Because what makes you think if you haven't practiced at all, that you, when you see somebody attractive or you see somebody who looks like they have a good personality, that all of a sudden, and you're going to walk up and start talking to them. We want to practice that muscle now so that when you're in that moment and you see somebody attractive, which is going to trip your nervous system, it's going to tense up your nervous system a little bit, your brain and your body now have a well-worked-out muscle of how to talk to strangers. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to start by going in. And when you check out a Target, that's a built-in conversation. When you check out of Target, you say, hey, how's your day going to the cashier? That's it. How's your day going? right? See if you can mirror back if they go, oh, I'm exhausted. Then you mirror back the emotion. I, I, it's, got, it's a long day, huh? Right? What am I learning? I'm learning how to engage. I'm learning how to engage, right? So I practice that. Practice that at Starbucks when, they're, when, they're, when they ask you how you're, how you're, you know, hey, what can I get for you to drink? And you're telling them your drink. And as they're putting it in, lean in and say, hey, how's your day going? All right. So I would encourage you to start practicing and chatting with strangers. Another thing you can do, you're in line, you're in line at Starbucks, you're in line at, at a, a, you know, Baja Fresh or something. And you would maybe say to the person behind you, Ooh, what do you usually get when you, when you come here or ask the cashier, what do you, what can you recommend? Right now you may be thinking, I don't need them to recommend anything. I'm in Starbucks every day. I always know my order. That's not the point. You might already know what you want to order. We're just getting used to talking to strangers. So that's the first part. Start engaging. Ask somebody how their day is going. Ask them what they would recommend. What's your favorite thing on the menu so that you get used to talking to strangers and build that, this muscle. Here's the second part. The second part is I want you to beware of your body language because without realizing it, a lot of us have a big fuck off written across our forehead. Not just a little one, like a massive big one that takes up our entire forehead. It, it, it actually, it may be even like neon and flashing. Oh, you, you all know who you are. You all know who you are that have like a big neon sign and it is flashing across your forehead that says, fuck off, don't you come near me, bitch, leave me alone. And, and it, it's, it's radiating. It may even have like a siren that goes with it too, right? And so some of us, we want to look at our body language. What do I have written across my forehead? Is it flashing? What do I notice in, in the way I even hold my body? Does my body look open? Or does it look closed? I'm going to have you pay attention to your face. And you can even practice this by looking in the mirror. Is my face soft or does it look hard? See, some of us, when we're deep in thought we, and, we're, and we're pensive and we're thinking, we actually look very, ter it's terse and we look, we look very hard, right? Now, even though you may be thinking about something in your head that's like stressing you out as you're walking down the street, what makes you think that anybody would engage with you when your face looks as pensive as it does? Again, we're not beating ourselves up. We're not, we're not punishing ourselves. This is not punitive. We're just starting to assess, assess. Now, notice everything I talk about in sprouting. I want you to notice. 
It's not, it's not focused on the other person. It is focused on us dolls because that's the only piece we have control over. The majority of my TikToks are all, all circling people, reminding people to come back to self. How can I grow? How can I learn? How can I change what I'm doing, right? If we do not do that, then all we do is point our finger to what's outside the fence or what we're, what we're letting in and we blame them. It's their fault. Oh, the men in my city. Oh, the girls in this town, right? No, no, no. We don't have control over that. But what you do have control over is the fence you set up, how you sift through, who you let in, and how you work on yourself. Some of us, though, even though I say that, we don't want to do the work. We want the shortcut, and we want it to be about them, and we want to blame them rather than do the work yourself. Ultimately, though, sweets, it's going to feel better in your body to be working on yourself because you will like what you see. I like how I engaged with that person going down the street. I liked how when I opened the door to Starbucks, I smiled and I asked the person how their day was. I liked how I sat in that and it made me be more hopeful that I'm going to meet somebody. If you're walking through your day and walking through your errands without talking to somebody or having that big F off across your forehead, that doesn't make your body feel any hopeful that you're going to meet somebody. And yet if I work on staying soft in my body, an open body posture, shoulders back, right? A smile on my face or even just a softness. It doesn't have to be a fake smile, even just a softness on my face or looking around me and smiling at people and holding doors open. Believe it or not, your body will sit in a more hopeful place that you will meet somebody because you're open, inviting, and engaged. And being hopeful isn't about if it actually happens. Hope is not about if you actually get what you want. Hope is about what it gives you in the moment. Hope says it may not always look like it does today. Hope says, I don't know who I'm going to meet tomorrow when I go to that restaurant or I'm meeting that girlfriend at that bar. It says, I don't know who I'm going to meet, but I'm eager and I'm open and I'm exciting and I'm anticipating something wonderful, right? Hope is about what it gives you in the moment, not actually if it comes to fruition. Now, some of y'all being like, no, no. No, no, I want it to come to fruition. No, no, we want, we want, we want that hope to come true. Absolutely, dolls. Absolutely. And we leave space for that and we bring it in and we hug that feeling and we say, oh yes, we would love to meet somebody. We'd love to meet somebody. We would love to share our life with somebody. Yes, that too. That too. Both and. And yet I'm building a life I like now. I'm engaging with strangers in my life, right? And at the same time, would I love to share it with somebody and meet someone? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, a little side tangent note. You could feel like you've worked on yourself. You could say, you could say, you could say, but mama, I am doing all that. I'm on dating apps. I'm filtering. I'm talking to people in real life. And I'm still, it still hasn't happened. And I would say, I know doll. And I would validate that and say, you keep building a life that you love. Because even if you are ready, even if you are open, right? Even if you are hopeful, you can't force You can't force bringing that person into your life that you're really going to connect with. I think that's why I'm so mesmerized by relationships. It can't be a recipe because when you click with somebody, it's beautiful, it's enchanting, but it's mystical. I love it. I love asking people how, you know what? I was at a dinner last night with two friends. And, and one of them, one of them, I would, he, he, they were, he was explaining how at some point he felt like he had met his soulmate. And I said, I said, wait, stop right there. What what made you feel like it was your soulmate? And that's for a whole nother topic. What do we think if soulmates exist or don't exist? And you know what? He said to me, Bradley said to me, you know what? I think it was in his kiss. And I said, ooh, that's good. That's good. And why why do I love that? Because it's different for everybody. 
what clicks, what sparks, what grows over time, it's different for everybody. And because you don't know when you're going to meet it, meet that, and you don't know when you're going to have that connection, the key is how do I stay hopeful? That needs to be our goal as we're approaching dating and relationships, not getting the end goal because I don't have control over that, not getting the commodity that I want, the relationship, the boyfriend, the girlfriend, the husband. Yes, we can say we want that, but if that is our goal, it will send us in the wrong direction. The key is how do I take actions to reach out, initiate, set up boundaries, protect myself, all these things that keep me hopeful. Because hope means I don't know what's going to come tomorrow. Hope means I don't know what I'm going to see around the corner or the next date I'm going to go on, right? And so that's going to be our focus right there. All right, let's move on to the second part of this. And that is, what are some of my concerns with dating apps? So I'm not somebody that hates dating apps. I'm, I'm all for them. I'm, I'm, I'm one of the all of the above. I'm all, let's experiment. Let's see what works. You know, when I meet someone that says, no, I want to meet somebody this way, I go, huh, all right, tell me about that. What's your thinking there? Help me understand where you're coming from. Let's experiment, right? Dating is about experimenting. It's not about finding the right formula that will get you the outcome that you want, not finding the right recipe that gets you the cake that comes out that you want. It doesn't work like that, right? And some of you, I think that's why you get so angry and bitter at dating. You're like, you're like, this is not how it's supposed to work. I'm following your recipe and the cake's not coming out. The cake's deflated and has a hole in the middle. <laughs> And you're, you're mad and you're angry because you feel like because you followed the recipe, you should get the damn cake that you wanted. And, and it's a sucky cake or, or it's deflated. It has no center. <laughs> it didn't bake. Right. So we got we to gotta shift how we're looking at, at, at dating. What are the, some of the concerns that, that we, we want to just be aware of? Not all or nothing, but be aware of with dating apps. Well, one, although I think they are helpful, I'm grateful for dating apps. You are now able to meet people that, you know, 10 years ago or 20 years ago, 30 years ago, your parents or grandparents had no way of meeting people across the globe in a different state. Beautiful, wonderful. Can we say that we're so grateful and thankful for that? On the flip side, we want to be careful that we're just, we're aware of what is built into dating apps. They are set up like slot machines. They are set up like a lot of the other gaming apps in that you are, they have an addictive quality to them, right? You know, a lot of people all encourage if they have teenage children, I will say, let your teenage children run your dating app for a while or give, let your, let a good friend of yours run your profile for a while. And I had one, I had one friend that came back and said that she handed her dating app to her teenage daughter and the teenage daughter, she could hear her from the other room and she kept going, woohoo, we won. And then she'd be like, it'd be quiet for a while. And then again, she'd say, yes, I got one. And she turned the corner and I was like, she was like, what are you doing in there? And she said, oh, we keep winning, mom. We keep matching. And it did. It felt like a game. Every time she matched with somebody, although it was her mother's profile, right, that she, it felt like she was winning. They are designed that way to keep you on the app. No, that does not make them evil. No, that does not mean that they're out to get you right? We're the ones that can set boundaries, but recognize it has an addictive quality. And if you're someone who's been on dating apps for years on and off or for long periods of time, just recognize that can have an addictive quality. So whether it's like gambling and a gambling addiction or a slot machine addiction or an addiction to being on any kind of other app that has, it's that Pavlov's dog. What do I mean by Pavlov's dog? There's in psychology, they talk about where there was a dog in a cage and they, what they did is they rang the bell. And every time they rang the bell, they would feed the dog. Ring the bell, feed the dog, ring the bell, feed the dog. What they, what they found over time is they'd ring the bell and the dog would start salivating even before the food was there, right? And that's what is happening in our brain, 
right? It, we, we, keep, we keep going. We get on an app and we keep going until our brain gets that dog food that it wants. It's waiting for that ding, you won, ding, you won. And so recognize there is an addictive quality to it. So what do you do in, that, in those cases? Well, I think that's why a lot of people like have a love-hate relationship with them. It has because of that addictive quality. So it's like, oh, this is not fun. I hate it. I'm getting off. And then slowly they're lonely. They want to meet somebody, but it has this addictive draw to it. So it's very hard. Addictions have very little balance to them. Think about it. Alcohol addiction, sex addiction, drug addiction. Why they're called an addiction is because you feel enslaved to it and you've lost the sense of balance and you've lost the sense of choice. And that's what we want to bring back to dating apps. So how do we do that? I want you to start checking in with yourself while you're on dating apps. Check in with yourself to say, is this still pleasant or unpleasant, right? Did I just lose three hours of my life and now I feel like I'm coming out of a brain fog and like, what world have I been in for the last three hours? It literally puts you sometimes into a time lapse. So it's almost like you don't even realize time has passed and now you've come back out. One of the ways that you can work on managing that and putting some boundaries about that is to say, okay, maybe I'll get on the dating app knowing that I've got to leave in an hour to go meet a friend for dinner. So I, I'll, put, I'll back it up against something if I have a hard time managing the time, right? The other thing I'm going to have you do, just like I have clients do with other social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, is to periodically check in with yourself and say, is this pleasant? Am I enjoying being on here? And I check in with yourself and see if you can tie an emotion to it. And this is still fun. I'm enjoying it. Or like, no, actually, I'm starting to feel worse and more discouraged. Or no, this just feels like blah, blah, right? In those cases, then just pause, put it, set it down, right? What are we looking for? We're looking for pleasant, calming, or neutral. And if it's none of those things, we want to set it down, go get some, go get, take some deep breaths, go out and enjoy some active things in life preferably tangible things that can uh, that can engage our senses, right? Smell, touch, sight, all of those. We want to engage our senses, those sensory parts of us, and then go then go back in again, right? I also have a lot of clients that beat themselves up feeling like, oh, I just feel like I get on only to take it off two days later. And then I'm embarrassed and feel silly that I, I, I swear it off and then I put it back on and I swear off the dating app. And then two days later or 24 hours later, I want to put it back on. And I say, why, why are we beating ourselves up for that? Do, do that. Allow yourself the freedom to say, no, I'm going to take it off for a day or two, and then I'll put it back on, and that's okay. I can take it off my phone for a couple hours and decide to put it back on. Why are we judging ourselves in that? Because we tend to sit in this place that is an all or nothing, an all or nothing. I'm like fully in and fully invested, or I'm completely out. And I would encourage, what does it look like for a balance? I'm going to even encourage as we talk more too about how do I sift through the dating apps in a way that has it so that I'm not just talking to one person, but I'm not talking to a whole roster of people. You know, anyone who's followed me long enough knows I love balance. I love moderation in most things, right? And so I really look at how do I find that balance? An idea, this is just an idea I want to throw out there. Experiment with this and let me know what you think. But what would it look like to say, okay, if I talk to too many people, I, I can't keep track of everybody, and then I lose details. What would it look, start, look like to pull one or two fish out of the pond, maybe even three? Three fish out of the pond, I'm connecting with them, I start talking with them, I switch over from the dating app to talking on my phone, and for that time, I hide my profile, right? If you think that you leave your profile up there and it's going to keep getting new fish and new fish and new fish, that's too many, and your body's going to get flooded. You can't go very deep if you're going wide. So if I'm talking to a lot of fish, being people I've matched with on a dating app, I can't hold going very wide. And I'm not a big fan of rosters. If you need a roster, there's too many damn fish that you've pulled out of that sea. 
But can I pull out three to five fish, see if any of them take, hide my profile, talk to those fish, let them play all the way out, maybe go out on a date or two, see them in person. We got to be in person. My, con uh, that's, you know, I'm not going to go there. I almost launched a whole nother direction for another passion, but I have more to say on when you are starting those initial relationships. Maybe that'll be a part three of Sprout. Once you've pulled somebody out of the sea and you've matched them with them on a dating app, what are those next steps in sprouting a relation relationship? But I would say pull out a few, chat with them, talk with them, and then if they kind of fizzle out, then turn your, bait, turn your profile back on, grab one or two more fish, pull them out, work those ones through, see how you engage with them so that it's not overwhelming for your body. So that would be my biggest concern with dating apps is the sense of it has an addictive quality. Be careful of that. Also, hold the space that says people are on there for different reasons. They're on there for different reasons. And a lot of the people, there are a lot of the reasons people get frustrated and they say, well, I ask up front, why are you here? Why are, you know, what are you looking for? I guess that's probably the number one question. Those that are like dating with purpose or dating with intention, that's probably the number one question they will ask on a first date is what are you looking for? Dolls, the best thing to do with that is to not ask that question. I'm going to say it again, and I know you don't like it. Don't ask that question. And you might say, well, no, no, I need to find that out right out front. And I'd say, okay, well, how has that turned out for you? Because most of you, when you ask that, when we ask that question up front, what often happens is if their actions don't ma match the answer to that question, then we resent them for it. So don't ask the question. It's, why? Because that's the piece I have control over. Their actions matching their words, I don't have control over that piece. Ultimately, if you watch with your eyes, you're going to see what they are looking for, right? You're going to see. Now, if you've gotten a few belts underneath you and you still want to address that question, sure. But on those first few dates, see, like, do they show up? Do they consistently text, right? Do you guys have a banter that works for you? Is it consistent? Do they show up, right? Watch their actions up front because that is going to tell you if they're interested or not interested. Anybody can say those words. We run the risk of when we say up front, what are you looking for? And they're like, oh yeah, I I'd love to find somebody. Or often they'll tell you about a past relationship. The minute they tell you about a past relationship, by the way, your brain goes, oh, oh, they can do this. They can be in a relationship. And you start putting meat on that person that doesn't exist yet. You start creating a fantasy person right there because they've had a past relationship. Dolls, just because somebody talks about a past relationship doesn't mean that's what they're looking for now. So I'd encourage you to, to not ask the questions up front. Yes, ask questions organically as you go, but watch with your eyes. Watch with your eyes and, and make it real light in the beginning. But leave space for people to come into apps with different goals, different intentions, right? And it's not, it's not their job to be honest. I'm going to say that again. I know that doesn't sit well. It's not their job to be honest. Why? I don't have control over that, and I'm not going to make them a good person or a bad person. That's not my job. My job is how do I set up boundaries, guard my heart, not block it off, not blockade my heart, not bury my heart. How do I guard my heart, set up a, a nice fence that says, I will watch with my eyes, and I will watch and see if the consistency is there over time to see if I'm going to slowly let you in or not right? Ooh, you feel that? That's going to feel more solid and that's going to feel safer in your body. Okay. All right, sweets. I think this is a good place for us to stop. And if you have questions on episodes one or two of Sprout, Sprouting New Relationships, I would love to answer those. So send those voice memos to so my mom's a therapist podcast at gmail.com. Also, we are wrapping up our giveaway. We are growing our Instagram platform because we are a baby and we're new. So if you go on to Instagram, so my mom's a therapist, if you follow us and if you uh, mention and tag us in your story, especially the podcast, we'd love that. 
Go on and follow our friends over at Monday Swimwear, and we have a giveaway for one free item on their website um, through the end of March. No, I'm not getting paid for this. Um, I did a, a video for them a while ago, but I so love their swimsuits and I love their beachwear that, um, you know, we, Andrew and I, I was like, let's do something for the month of love. I love love. If you can't tell that, I love love. I heard somebody say, this is not my own, but I heard somebody say, I'm not the sheriff. I just show up to love. And, and I really feel like my faith is that that is what the Lord has called me to do. So in the spirit of love, go on, follow us on Instagram, mention us, tag us in your story, follow Monday Swimwear, and we're going to be giving away one free item by the end of February. As always, dolls, I am going to encourage you, be kind. Be kind to people. Have so much grace and, and compassion. Be quick to be kind and be slow to judge. Be slow to judge people on social media. Be slow to judge people in the news and news stories. We have no idea what's going on in their life. If anything, this world needs more. It is compassion and understanding. With listening comes understanding, and with understanding comes grace and compassion. And sweets, we need more of that in our world. And with that, I will sign off, and I will see you next week. Bye, Dawson.